This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at work? Get towards Brecker! And that is an absolute gem of a goal. George Ware on the prowl, bang! Di Matteo to Signore! Fabulous strike! And here's an opportunity, Zola, lovely dummy. Oh, what a goal for Palmer! And here's Victor! Rabinelli again. Baggio. This is Deschamps! And it's two! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, and he has it! No! Hello, and welcome back to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I am Chris Gold. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And the man who went shopping to Harvey Nicks with Florin Radachoyu, it's Michael Marden. Hello. What was it that Radachoyu... Oh, wait, this comes up, doesn't this it? Comes up this comes up in today's episode so, with Tom Davis. West Ham in the 90s, very special episode for me. To- yeah, it was a big one for you, wasn't it? Yeah, this is the one we've wanted to You've do. You've tried to change every episode <laughs> into that. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to crowbar it in after over several years, but here we are. Did you enjoy it? Loved it. It's so good. Tom is just oh, what? We'll get into it. We'll what a it. raconteur! But before that, talking of raconteurs, should we have some correspondence? Let's do it. You've got mail. This is from Dan in Woking. Hi guys, my best mate Rob's ex-girlfriend once bought him a Man United shirt for his birthday, brand new, just out. He was absolutely buzzing. He lifted it out of the box to find that she had numbered it on the back. Now, I don't know if you're aware of the thing when there's a couple of people and you merge their names together. For instance, Dan and Alice becomes Dallas. Yeah, like Brangelina. Yeah, like Brangelina. Yeah. His girlfriend had had number one on the back of a Man United shirt <laughs> and, and slightly curved, beautiful, expensive, official Premier League lettering across the top. The name, Frob. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Was it a goalie's shirt or is no, it a home I don't shirt? Think, no, I don't think. Just a home shirt. Oh, that's wrong on so many levels. F R O B. That's so bad. Well, the, the slightly curved as well makes it even worse. Yeah. Frog. Needless to say, he always wore an open hoodie to watch games as it was always too cold for him to take it off. <laughs> Number one. That was from Dan in Woking. Now that that's just a um, 
Oh, should we have one more short one as well while it's on this page? This is from Lee Roden. This is something I'd forgotten had happened. I'm so glad I've remembered it. I'm a big fan of the 90s Scottish football icon, all-round World Cup hero. Open brackets, scored a penalty via Brazil. Uh, Closed brackets, John Collins. And upon explaining this to one of my former colleagues who was once a reporter for local rags in London, he explained that one of the stories he worked for was when John Collins left Fulham and Fulham went on to sign Collins John. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Oh, wow. I've always thought this too. Oh, I couldn't believe that... But I had a look, and sure enough, it all lines up. This makes me think there must be more to the story. Did Mohammed Al-Fayed suddenly clock they'd sold his beloved John Collins, so somebody signed Collins John to reassure him that he'd been mistaken and nothing had changed? <laughs> Was it all just an expensive joke? Cheers, Lee. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's that's an astonishing incredible. decision, isn't it? That, there can't be another example of that in the history there of football. There can't be another example of that in the history of football. There, because... there, there was a time in the Premier League where there were three clubs who had a player whose last name was the same as the manager's first name. And I can remember one of them was Steven Gerrard, Gerard Houllier. The other right, one was yeah. Lauren Robert, Bobby Robson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's not as... It's not, not as, as good as, 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 as Collins is... John replacing John Collins. Because <laughs> also, the other thing is, if John Collins was leaving Fulham and... Even if we were scouting a player called Collins John, I'd be like put off by the fact it would look like we'd just replaced John Collins with Collins John. Did he get mentioned a lot? Like, I, I'm surprised. It should have been a bigger thing. I'd like to believe there was some sort of admin error happened around this time. Yeah. Like, if you're faxing names back and forward, there must have been a level of confusion around the club. Yeah. yeah. It's a two Ronnie sketch, 90s football in the making, four is it? Candles. No, four candles. <laughs> right. I need this one after after we got done with Paul Mersengate. Is this true? This is from Russell Petley. If this is, I this is astonishing. In a recent episode, Michael was discussing his love of the classic numbering system. Oh, dear. Oh, here we go. <laughs> it made me think back to the 96-97 season and when Mr Versatility himself... Steve Palmer started the season on my bench for my beloved Watford. On the bench, not on my bench. (laughs) He was assigned the number 14 shirt. As an average centre-half and even more distinctly average central midfielder, came as no surprise to the Hornets faithful to see him warming up the bench. However, as the season progressed, Palmer became an integral part of the team, filling in in a variety of positions throughout the campaign. With two games to go, it became apparent that Palmer had donned every shirt number that season from 1 to 14, except 1 and 9. So, on to Vicarage Road in the penultimate game of the season against Bournemouth. Needing two wins from the two games to seal promotion to Division 1, my dad and I anxiously take our seats in the family stand next to the tunnel. As the players enter the pitch, there was an eerie murmur going around the ground. Who was the tall lad wearing number 5? And who was the short balding fella in the green goalkeeper's kit? Surely Graham Taylor hadn't decided to blood an academy in such a crucial fixture. No. He had seen an opportunity to make history and start to rebuild his reputation after his disastrous England stint. When the teams were read out on the tannoy, there was an almighty cheer as it was announced, in goal, number one, Steve Palmer. Oh, lovely. What? As the announcer went through the rest of the team, we later learned that number eight was Alec Chamberlain, our legendary shot stopper. After the elation of the sentimental jester had simmered down, then began to wonder what the plan was. Had Palmer been practising his goalkeeping training? Was Chamberlain a nimble central midfielder? We needed to win this game. We won the coin toss and chose to kick off. This prompted Chamberlain to run up and hoof the ball into the stands directly from kickoff to allow himself and Palmer to swap shirts and reclaim their rightful position. No. I mean, I love that, but that is the such delight a of risky the crowd. Manoeuvre. 
We went on to win the game 2-1 with GT claiming he made the decision to act as a distraction to take the pressure off the team. But do you know what? Palmer went on imagine to don the number don't... 9 show in the final game of the season, therefore completing the full set. But imagine they don't win the toss and he's in goal and then they Maybe score they from kick with the opposition that they're going, like, to do this to happen. I mean, it's, love, it's a lovely detail, but... but... There's this not a rule that you have to wear number one in goal, is there? It's just admin. I don't know. Would they have had names on their back of that if one? There are, no. I mean, there will definitely be some sort of kit geeks out there if you can specify the rules yeah. in that's, a way that's... Isn't that amazing? That is though. amazing. And I'm surprised that's not more of a known thing. It won't happen again, will it? And the, the days of squad numbers now. No. That's it. That's it. That's it. Thank one you. more? Yeah. yeah. I would never read out praise normally... But I really did enjoy this from Sebastian. Howdy, lads. I'm a 23-year-old born and raised in the United States, despite being born in 1996, halfway through the decade in question. I love this podcast. Though I am a football fan, I have absolutely zero knowledge of 90s football. Yet I can't get enough of your podcast. There's some incredibly fun to listening to banter that I understand maybe 10% of. (laughs) (laughs) But I can tell you guys are having a blast. That's really sweet. (laughs) I'm learning a great deal about English football in the 90s, an incredibly niche subject that we'll almost definitely never be able to use in my life, but I'm enjoying the ride. Sorry we hosted the 1994 World Cup. Keep it going, Sebastian. (laughs) Apology accepted. Isn't that great? That's lovely. Hello, Sebastian. I hope you enjoyed that Steve Palmer anecdote. (laughs) If you listen to this podcast and you haven't understood a bit of banter, let us know hello at quicklykevin.com and we'll explain it. Well, I've always been fascinated by our analytics where it tells us where in the world people listen to our show. And obviously we get people on holiday that listen. So there'll be one person, Papua New Guinea, that week has listened. But I'd love to know who's our most remote listener like who, yeah. like where where are you listening in the world can you we'll sort of do a, a geographical league table like if you're yeah. genuinely listening somewhere that's you know an obscure outpost in iceland international like, space station yeah <laughs> send us a photo yeah <laughs> yeah we'll yeah be happy to read it out hello if you want to if you want to get in touch with anything we've discussed this is how get in touch with the show email hello at quicklykevin.com Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at QuicklyKevin and sign up to the mailing list at QuicklyKevin.com. OK. Well, Chris, I feel you should do the intro to this episode. Yes, it's an episode I've personally wanted to do for a while and it is a man we have long wished we could get on and now we've done it. Here he is, the man, the legend, Tom Davis. by Hutchinson, here's John Moncur, and John Moncur scores! West Ham regain the lead. It's our pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin, star of King Gary, League of Their Own, and many, many more things, And but most importantly... West Ham fan, welcome yes. Tom Davis. Thank you for having me. Oh man, Thank what you. a pleasure! We don't often get to talk about so West Ham on here. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know what? I'm a big fan of it, and uh, yeah, it's really nice to sort of come up here and, and talk about the Hammers and talk about my favourite time. I think you used to text me and say, "Can I just talk about the '90s?" I do. You know what? Thousand <laughs> percent. So I was, uh, I was just been away doing the League of Their Own, and one of the people there was Patrice Evra. Yeah. And uh, I used to go away a lot with my dad and watch French football in the '90s. So I started talking about like the non-team, like Patrice Loco. Florian Martins and like when uh, Bordeaux had Dugali, they had uh, yeah, yeah. Lizarazu. Yeah, so he, I was chatting to him so about why did it. you go to those games? Just because I used to love, I, lo- I was a real football geek as a yeah. kid uh, and into my teens. I, I genuinely loved European football. 
and uh, so yeah, he's got ways to sort of like Lazio side of Signori and everyone. Oh, wow. um, that Daniel Massaro team of of Milan. Uh, yeah, I really loved European football, and this I'm talking like now. It seems like oh, that's not that great. I used to yeah, yeah, yeah. Like World Football Magazine. I used to be like I remember World Football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. World Football Magazine and Italian football on a Sunday. So uh. I was really obsessive about football. So and then when West Ham started signing. European players. <laughs> you know, after, I think that weren't was... as good as some of those names you just mentioned. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not yet. But you know, that towards the end of Masaro's career, you're like, because I remember when Middlesbrough got Ravinelli, and you thought anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, we always start. Have you met a nineties footballer? Yeah, I mean, you've look, met lots. I've met quite a few. My favourite is Matt Letizia, I think. Yeah. I shot a thing with Matt Letizia for Southampton and for um, Adidas. We went out to Prague together, and. Uh, Matt would only drink uh, um, Malibu, Malibu and it? Coke. Malibu, yeah. Yeah. So you were just going around to these bars in Prague seeing if they shoot, shoot Malibu, uh, Malibu and Coke. Do you sell this? And uh, I just remember eating like a really big chocolate crepe with him and <laughs> chatting to him about 90s football and he had chocolate around his mush. Like, how do you tell someone that you adored? Uh, that he's just, yeah. That he's a nice bloke, isn't he? Yeah, incredible guy. And that was my favourite time of genuine, like, mm. characters were in the game. Yeah. You know, I've talked about you know, it before, but, you know, especially as a West Ham fan, it felt at times that, you know, they were an extension of the crowd. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and I think that was, I feel really lucky because I, if I'm honest, I still love West Ham. Still go yeah. when I can. I still well, love the crowd's football. The so far away, there's no extension possible. No, 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 I mean, a fucking hell of an extension. <laughs> you need a bridge, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever feel jealous of Southampton because they had this mercurial player in Matt Letizia that was obviously way too good for them? And West Ham, we had Julian Dix, but we never had like a playmaker, a creative type like that. We yeah. had Julian Dix. Uh, <laughs> we had Julian Dix. Yeah, well, I mean, he was Kevin Bishop. Like, um, <laughs> no, you know, I, I suppose as a player, I was more of a Julian Dix I was more of a sort of like sort of set my you know who my favourite player of that time was and I, it was weird I was it was Tim Breaker Tim Breaker I used to Tim love Tim Breaker I loved Tim Breaker right... I loved him though I don't know because I sat in the chicken rung yeah <laughs> right forward, yeah I sat in the chicken rung and like I used to eat you know it was playing right back and it's a weird thing because Stevie Potts was obviously Stevie Potts and he sort of came in to be I, don't Tim Breaker. That, I don't know what that means but <laughs> Stevie Potts was obviously Stevie Potts. Well, Stevie, Potts was, Stevie Potts was a legend, right? right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he, was but, he scored. I, he played 399 games, scored one goal, and his one goal is the worst goal anyone's ever scored. Like 30 <laughs> yards, like dribbles along the floor, nut makes the keeper and rolls oh. in. And Tim Breaker came in for him, really. And Why was, did you love Tim Breaker? I don't know. It was. He must have been like six two, and he's a fullback. <laughs> I, I like those players. Yeah. I like the sort of players that when you watch, you think oh, maybe I could have made it. <laughs> There's a lot of those at West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> so what we were going to go through today was we were going to say your worst West Ham eleven, but then you've what we've decided is um, what was the phrase you used? Yeah, like, shit, but you love them. Yeah, that's but that's that's the thing for me with with the nineties and, and football was was the characters, and and I think it's really sadly lacking. Like you know, you guys, you've met footballers sort of from from the nineties. You met mm. footballers now, and the stories, the sort of folklore you hear, yeah, from the nineties. I just I love that sort of. That, that, that heyday of, of you know the Dannys, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, we always say like there was much more of a connection with the team than you, yeah. you lack now. If so, yeah. professionals. Imagine our now. No one's be talking about Arnautovic like they talk. You talked about Tim Brake in a second. No, 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 no. And I think that, but that goes across the whole team, doesn't it? You know, you know Trevor Morley, you know Ian Bishop, and and I'm very fortunate to do this for a living. So I, I've met you know I'm friends with Harry, and I, I've chatted to a few of the older players, and sort of story. So as you hear, you can't ever imagine ever happening again and 
when I was growing up, I grew, I grew up around sort of Sutton and Wimbledon and Croydon. So the crazy gang were sort of, you know, yeah. when I was 16, 17, they were in their pomp, really. And I'm, I mean, that sort of second generation of Peter Fear, yeah. uh, Johnny Scales, um, it was sort of just after fashion, so it had probably been uh, FN Akuku, those guys who sort of, Michael Warren Hughes, Barton. Warren Barton, yeah. Peter Fear, I had so many nights out with. And Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to go out drinking quite a lot with him. I, you know, I play sort of Sunday league, and then you know they'd be in O'Neill's in Sutton every Sunday. So, and I'd be <laughs> scaffolding the next day. So you go on the shant with him. And Peter Fear was. I remember Liverpool were looking at Peter Fear. He was a really, he was a decent right back. He, yeah. he was, he was a new. But he was in O'Neill's on a Sunday. That's yeah, like yeah. The Every, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I mean, he was being talked about as being the new Warren Barton at one. <laughs> Yeah. What I love about this podcast, it's so niche, but there's people going, oh, yeah, well, but... <laughs> but not Neil Hardley, yeah. Neil Sullivan. That was, what know... was it like going on the lash with them? Were they, right. were they seen as celebrities in the O'Neills? Yeah, but that's, that's what, yeah, in O'Neills in Sutton they were. <laughs> like, I remember sort of like having like a really, I suppose it probably would have been a, maybe 32, 10, maybe before even that, having Peter Fear's number on your phone felt like, you know, like I look at my life now and I think back then that was everything. And, it was, and also, like, like cheers in a way, like walking into O'Neill's in Sutton on a Sunday night and Peter Fear going, big chum, you all right? And he was like, yeah, that's right, how you do. Everybody yeah. knows what <laughs> Um, Would you get excited if Peter Fear texts you now? Or is that I, gone? No, I, mean, no, I haven't got the same number because of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he was manager of Crawley Town for a bit. He, he, yeah. I often think, what happened to Pete? Out <laughs> <laughs> of two of us back then, you'd have thought, you know, old Peter Fear, Liverpool, England were looking at him. Yeah. You know, he might have. It is sad for Peter you... Fear that my life's turned out better. <laughs> Odd that you're the one that ended up on a 90s football podcast and Peter Fear can get booked for love, not money. For the people in that O'Neill's and Sutton, you're the one who's been chosen. But if you do have his number, if you could pass that. <laughs> right, let's start in goal. Who have you got? You know, I, I was thinking, obviously, that Ludet would be the, the, mm. the guy you'd go to. Um, do you know what my favourite thing was Bernard Lama? <sighs> You used to wear uh, tracksuit bottles. Yeah, but also... so Did you the, know him from your days as a French football fan? Yeah, he obviously knew him as a good goalkeeper, yeah. but also French international goalkeeper. Yeah. And then he had he had some, a few problems. And, and then we signed him for sort of half a season yeah. before, in 98. Why did uh, you sign him? Was he, we, a... he basically got released by PSG. Yeah. Uh, we signed him on loan, but we didn't give him a full-time contract. So then he basically went, got in the French national team, won the World Cup with France and went back to PSG. But we didn't give him a, a long-term contract. We just gave him <laughs> to the summer. So basically we had a, a World Cup winning goalkeeper in our midst. And uh, yeah. like, oh, you know, just give him a sort of go-to-game contract. <laughs> was he good? Well, he yeah. was, the thing about West Ham is that Ludic McCloskey was our goalkeeper for yeah. eight years or so in the night. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of... And he had the game, it was Derby away earlier in the season that Bernard Lamar signed. And we lost 2-0 and Ludic McCloskey had the worst night there. Like every, like the goals that they scored were just mm. howling yeah. and had Redknapp said you're done eight years service for yeah. the club and he was out and so in came Bernard Lamar which is quite exciting because having only known Ludic McCloskey it's really exciting to get someone yeah. like Bernard Lamar coming exotic as well like, yeah but then but Ludic McCloskey seems exotic in the early <laughs> 90s <laughs> well, I mean it's the greatest song he yeah. must have been an international Ludic McCloskey I think was he was in the Italian 90s squad for yeah, Czech, yeah. Czechoslovakia oh, right. yeah yeah 
but yeah. the third goalkeeper. Or what something. was the song? It was his name is Ludwig McCluskey. He comes from near Moscow. He plays in goal. So he's from Czechoslovakia, which is nowhere near Moscow. That's why. Yeah, but it's probably about five hundred miles from Moscow, isn't it? Oh, I just like the idea of the geezer who's coming up to the geography guy. Actually, Moscow's not very near. Fuck off, mate. Who won? It's nearer than London. Actually, strictly speaking, probably not. Nearly lost it to Sinclair, as it is it's Savage who struck it long, on by Heskey. And here goes Tony Cotty, and Cotty scored against his old club. And the goalkeeper, Bernard Lamar, must take some of the blame, because he started to come, then stopped and was caught in no-man's land. Do you know what he had? And actually, weirdly, it's he had that sort of edge about him. He was a good player, but he also had that sort of West Ham edge where he was a bit of a loon, he was a bit sort of crazy. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean when I was saying about European football, like how excited, like a lot of things in life, the internet spoilt yeah. the excitement of signing someone because you can sort of watch their goals on YouTube. European football, pornography. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a dirty old video in a blue bag. Huh? <laughs> Time was you'd have to buy a magazine yeah. and you'd have to buy World Soccer as well. To yeah. find out you... And you'd have to use your imagination for both. <laughs> <laughs> and arguably you learnt more. <laughs> Um, but West Ham did this in the nineties. They'd sign a player for six months who would do amazingly, yeah, yeah. and then they just wouldn't stay. Like Hugo Porfirio. Oh, that was, I was going to come to him later. Um, Hugo but, Porfirio. Um, who was his debut against? It was for, Forest. Yeah, maybe and Forest. He, he was he was incredible. Like genuinely, like and and I mean, I was going to get to him later. In the well, we'll team. Come, let's come yeah, to him let's later. Go let's come to him later. Right yeah. back, Tim Breaker. Tim Breaker. Tim Breaker. I mean, yeah. Dealt with. Can we yeah. just drill into why he liked him so much? Look, he I wasn't he wasn't particularly good at beating players. No. He didn't score a lot of goals. No. And I remember him. I just you know. Where I sat was sort of, and I sat in the chicken run for years, and I was sort of three rows back, and I used to see how much he enjoyed the game, and how much, <laughs> like, you know, I, I used to sort of go home thinking that Tim Breaker, out of every football I ever watched, probably sat there and thought, fucking hell, I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a lad out of Bista, he was, and he was a good... Was he only West Ham, Tim Breaker? Was he I think like, he went no, to QPR for some QPR, a bit, but... And, but yeah. The only insight I got about Tim Breaker, I asked one of his teammates, I can't remember who, what he was like, and they just said he was like the most magnificent body. Like yeah. He was really ripped, but I was a bit surprised by that. He, he, he seemed kind of wiry, but no, everyone no, seemed he, to think he was ripped. And, I love the fact that you've decided to ask someone what Tim Breaker was like. like <laughs> on match days, have a lot of downtime with former West Ham players. So you'd be surprised the subject you cover. The thing that I, this is the only group of people that those footballers from that generation that I yeah. get quite edgy and nervous about. You know, I, at the time I was I worked on building sites and sort of that Saturday going to West Ham or away was the highlight of my whole week. That was everything. So you know, me and my pals, it was just every, all the excitement of going. So those guys were living your dream. So in a sense, that sort of the, hit, the pedestal you've put them on through your teens and yeah. sort of into your twenties is mad. So when you meet them, you're like, you, you still. I played. Have you football. met Tim Breaker? No, and I don't want to in a way. <laughs> Do you know what? Same here, but for very different reasons. Just not fast. It would break my heart if you met him and you're like, oh, actually, no, it's not I played for Julian Dix at a charity game, the Isla Caton um, yeah. uh, Foundation, and uh, he didn't put me on for ages. And uh, it was a lot of those old 90s players, but Julian Dix was manager, and I brought some yellow boots. And at the end of the game, he turned around and he went, you don't need to touch the ball. You can take those back. Get a refund. They really like, that's <laughs> leathered me. And you know, Stevie Potts was playing Christian Daly. But, is, um, um, is is Julian Dix your left back? Yeah, I mean it was between him and Andy Impey. 
<laughs> Real Sophie's choice. <laughs> I mean, the, the trouble with this is what I'm saying is I I sort of looked through going, oh, I'll do a bad one. And I, I sort of just got really excited about like looking love. through and thinking about players that I, I really loved. And, and Julian Dix was, you know, you talk about Letitia and, and going, oh, yeah, were you jealous of them having Letitia or... Whoever else, but if there's ever one player that embodied a team, it was Julian Dix and West Ham. He just, he, I, like when I played that game with him, to meet Julian Dix and to spend some time in the locker room and for him to roast me and take the piss out of me, <laughs> I was like, mate, this is great. You know what I mean? I can fucking die happy now. Like, genuinely. Is he scary? He's actually a really pleasant man. He's, he's quite quietly, quite softly spoken, but, mate, yeah, the enjoyment of watching him play and sort of like the. Don't give a fuck. Sort of, you don't, you'll never see another Julian Dix. It just don't want ever happen. And and yeah, just just him charging up the left and smashing past people. I just yeah. I'll... And he went to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah for a year. For yeah. Then came back, scored the last goal in front of the old cop. Yeah, yeah. That's such a weird so transfer. The, so he, I mean, he was Soonest, he right? he was yeah. West Ham Julian yeah. Dix. Like and it, uh, the fans loved him because he was just smash into people. Yeah, yeah. He would score amazing goals. He'd take all our penalties yeah. and just thrash them about. I, I don't think I've ever seen a player even now where I've gone like Julian Dix stepping up to take a penalty. You'd actually feel sorry for the goalkeeper on the, like, the other <laughs> side. Yeah. And Julian Dix rarely misses. He won't hit it softly. That's the only thing you can be sure of. A thunderous penalty by Julian Dix. Jeff Hurst used to hammer them in with delight at that end. He'd have been proud of that kick. Walker comprehensively beaten. But um, he, he, he got a bit big for his boots. Like uh, him and Billy Bonds were rowing a lot. Yeah. He would like he'd really lackadaisical it's attitude towards training. Yeah, yeah. And so eventually, I think he just got too big for the club, and they're like he was a bit uncontrollable. Yeah. So they sold him to Liverpool. We kind of checked his ego a bit, and he came back in '94. Because it was uh, Sunes who bought him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, he, he was... Sunes saw himself in Julian. Oh, yeah. and I think as well he was brought into Liverpool at a time where. You know, in our youth, Liverpool won everything, didn't they? Yeah. And all of a sudden, that all the players that Sunez brought, it was just like you're Man United a little bit now. Yeah, so it yeah. was like, you know, I think it was like, oh, shit, you know. And when he came back, it was like, yeah, incredible. And he didn't train. He, dra- <laughs> he, you know, train. he looked like he looked like a fucking, he loved a beer. Do you know what I mean? He smoked like 20 fags a day. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. yeah. I love that. And you probably, you know, you'd see him in a calf. I'd fucking love that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd love, you'd never see a player now in a calf unless they're shooting a fucking advert for Sky. <laughs> <laughs> you'd never see it. Like, ironically, in a fire. <laughs> There's stories of Julian Dix that they would, they would go, right, we're going to do right five laps around the pitch and he would just ignore the instructions and grab a bag of balls and just smash them back and forth yeah, yeah. Like, against the wall or something. Like wow. That. Yeah. yeah. So I where's Andy in peace? Andy is left midfield. Yeah, but he played wing back, didn't oh, he? Yeah, when yeah, that, yeah, when yeah, we had the back three, he was yeah, sort of like a bit of a wing back. He only played, what, a season or so? He didn't yeah, play many games, yeah, yeah. did he? But, yeah. And then he got sold behind uh, Harry Redknapp's back. Yeah, which out of everybody got sold behind his back, I think that was... <laughs> <laughs> at least annoyed he was. I, you know when you've lost a fiver out of your jeans? <laughs> I mean, it's funny, like, supporting West Ham, because you don't, you, I don't really have an awareness of whether this sort of stuff happened to other clubs, but Harry Redknapp turned up to an away game and Andy Impey wasn't there. He was like, where, where is he? We've no. sold him. What? Is that really, that yeah, is the that's story. the story. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Centre-backs. Centre backs. Um, you played four four two, by the yeah, way. 4-4-2, yeah, four four two. Yeah, so one of the cool th- Yeah, of course I am. Um, <laughs> the coolest things that ever happened to me. I don't want to bring it up in front of Josh, but um, when, when we won the BAFTA for Murder and Successful. Oh come on! <laughs> no, but I met Rio like oh, yeah, there yeah. afterwards and and had a long chat with him about West Ham and 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 I remember seeing Rio come through 
And because I grew up listening to everyone in my family, people, every family, friends talking about Bobby Moore. And that shadow is there forever. And it's yeah. one of the greatest things, you know. But to witness someone like Rio come through, and, and, and I remember just, just like being in like absolute aura and similar age to, I don't know how you are, how old you are, Chris, but like see him on the pitch come yeah. out and, and you'd just be fucked, man. Like he's just, for, yeah. for me, watching Rio Ferdinand was, it felt like a real, like a blessing of, again, like yeah. in a, such a different way from Dixie because it was almost like we had Ruddock at the time and we had, and it was almost like a baton of going, no, this is the new age now. This is yeah. what footballers, football is going to be like. So to watch someone who could, who could bring the ball out of defence and... And was know, he there long enough? How, how long was he there? When did he go he to He kind of came through about like 95, 96. Yeah. He was in the France 98 team, which was like was the first... He was England. in the... It's weird, he was in the 96... Um, he was training with the 96 squad for England, wasn't he? For you, yeah. yeah I remember before he was in the West Ham team, a bit like Joe Cole... Yeah, there, and it happened with Michael Owen as well. There was like these rumours of this player that is way better. Happened with John Stones as well, which yeah. hasn't played out. But, <laughs> but there, you know, when you hear of these players yeah. that are way better than all the other youth players, I just remember. I think on his debut, just dropping his shoulder and and just sort of marching out of the fence, going round a man, and you think, fucking hell, wow, this yeah. kid is like everything you've been hoping for and dreaming for. Reaper's far side, that's his header, there's Kitson, oh and there's Ferdinand, yes they've scored again, it's Rio Ferdinand, he's put West Ham 2-1 up. He could tackle Rio, he's a great defender, he's a great yeah. reader of the game. I think it's sort of like Rio always had that swagger throughout his career, he yeah. had that from the start, yeah. like he would be dribbling out of defence, yeah. which yeah. when you're a team like West Ham, you've just spent your whole life watching them just lump it, yeah. to have a player skillfully taking yeah. it around players and running up field. Alvin Martin, Tim Brake. Yeah. <laughs> it was like everyone watching black and white yeah. into colour, it was yeah. like, it was like wow. you'd never seen this. <laughs> black and white into colour, <laughs> it was, was mind-blowing. He was, yeah. He was a he was a great. Yeah. There was like a generation, wasn't there? Because did you had Carrick as well? Carrick, Cole, Why did you have Johnson. him? Because he was a Geordie as well. But yeah, uh, but yes. that's when our, our scouting network and our youth team was. You know, yeah. Tony Carr was there, so. He, well, Tony Carr was at his pinnacle, really. We ended so. up with one at Plymouth called Lee Hodges. Oh, God, yeah, he won the FA Youth yeah. Cup. Yeah. Did he? Was, yeah. part, was he a part of that team? Yeah, part of that team. He yeah. was so much better than everyone at Plymouth. He was like <laughs> five foot two or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looked like I look when I stand next to Tom. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, that was that, that was a great... Because we finished when we finished fifth that season, yeah, yeah. I sat and talked to Harry about it for a long time. And uh, weirdly, actually, it was the only time I've ever talked to football about him and you actually... You could see the emotion of he got so close to building something really special yeah. at West Ham, and the you know, and, and I know that we get stick for saying it, but the West Ham way, you know, yeah, Carrick, Cole, Johnson coming through, Ferdinand, you know, it was a, oh, you know Defoe. Lampard, Defoe, yeah. you know, it was a, the, David James in guard. The spine of that team was a young English side, and and they played football well. And for me, Rio embodied that. He embodied sort of a thought of like, oh, actually, you know what, things things. You know, fortune's always been hiding. It might be coming out, but obviously we got relegated the season after. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've, always, uh, I've always wondered, like as West Ham fans, you get players like that coming through, like you said, you know, Cole, Lampard, Rio. Yeah. Like, what are you expecting at best? You know, they're going to outgrow you as a club. So, what is it you sort I, of? I, I once said, I once heard Noel Gallagher interviewed, and he was saying about like when he when he wrote those first two albums, he wrote them all within a short space of time. Yeah. And he thought he was going to be able to write those songs forever. Yeah. And that period where we were like knocking out world-class players i thought it would never end i thought that so if one got sold rio got sold i'm like well there'd be another five coming through yeah you didn't realize that was a golden period and it was incredibly lucky we had all those players at the same time i also think weirdly and it's just how old are you chris 36 36 i'm 40 so 
it's sort of in a strange way, it embodies how growing old and loss like become the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So when you see Rio coming through and, and Defoe and everyone and they leave, you're like, oh my, you're devastated, Lampard. And that team got picked apart and the bigger boys came in. And, you know, uh, and now I've got to a place where I realise that they're not going to stay forever. So with Payet, I was like, you know what? Uh, I know people got went crazy about him leaving, but I'm like, fucking hell, he, he gave us that amazing season, that last season at Upton Park. He was incredible. Those memories will last forever. And, and you, might, you know, and it's like Declan Rice now. You know, Noble's like Noble, and but with Declan Rice, I'm like, you know, he's going to those go, memories that's... of him passing to the side are going to last forever. <laughs> 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 But Declan's yeah, going no, to go, and, and you yeah. think, well, enjoy him while he's here. Just, yeah. Because you know, the sun's not going to shine forever. <laughs> so, so your philosophy is like Dr. Zeus, don't be sad that it's over, be happy that it happened. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go now. <laughs> I'll go on a high. No, 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 I shit. love that. From that, on to the second centre-back, who's this guy? So it is, so, yeah, but so this one was like, there's, I thought, let's go for a character. Um, I love Big Alvin Martin. He was, yeah. Sort of legend, really. I've sort of based my whole game around Big Alvin and and sort of like <laughs> everything that I thought uh, a centre back should be. Yeah. But you know what? I loved when Neil Ruddock came because there was something about when Razor came, and I always remember him Patrick Vieira by the throat, and and we and sort of that sort of I don't know. He, he again felt like a real West Ham player. Um, mm. It's hard. Uh, Slavan was amazing yeah. from when he was there. Big Slav, big Slav. It's real because st- I really take a these. Question th- on Alvin Martin. Yeah, go on. So he, when I was a kid, he felt like he was already like thirty-five <laughs> or something. Yeah, uh, but this is what I'm saying about Alvin Martin. He had the same disability as me. Is that when I was twelve, I looked thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> So when Alvin Martin came through the U Franks, people were going, We'll be hanging out your boots soon. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Is he like Martin... one of those Nigerian players that's lied about his age? <laughs> Alvin Martin looked like the kind of guy that at least four or five times a season people are asking him where the toilets were in the dressing room. <laughs> so Alvin Martin as well, like one of the last generations of footballers with male pattern baldness. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. you'd never get a footballer look like Alvin Martin. No, no, no. Also he did that thing like Terry Nutkins where he's bald and he'll grow the rest out. <laughs> I have mean, never like, ever thought I'd hear Alvin Martin compared to Terry Atkins. But like growing I mean, I the hair, he struggled to do that on another podcast. <laughs> you wouldn't get away with that on my dad wrote a porno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone going, who the fuck's Alvin Martin? <laughs> and also, it's a great name. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, like someone looks like the, the, so their parents have perfectly Nailed named it. them. You know, but yeah. he, 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 you know, he was born and his mum and dad looked down and went. Like, yeah, we're going to call him Mark. <laughs> we have to call him Alvin, I think. Um, right. Yeah, Alvin Martin and Rio Ferdinand. Did they ever play together? Yes, that's yeah, yeah, they would have yeah, crossed yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe, used, yeah. you two, when Rio was first coming through, certainly trained together. I think he had a Plymouth connection, Alvin Martin. I, I think he did. I yeah. think he might have. Did he not retire? He retired at West Ham or did he come from Plymouth? I think he, I think I think he, he would have It was before my time he was at Plymouth. Alvin yeah. Martin had two testimonials for West Ham. Oh, wow. 20 years. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. He had two, his, testi- two testimonials. His, his son's goalkeeper. We've yeah. decided his son as a sort of yeah. this new thing that's a third goalkeeper, which is essentially someone who trains <laughs> the young Your mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's good around the dressing room. <laughs> 800 quid a week. <laughs> <laughs> can use the other players' cars when they're on the way. <laughs> Do you want a central midfielders next or your wingers? I'm going to go central midfield. Uh, I've got to go Johnny Moncur. 
Oh, oh, I love Johnny Monk. Yeah. Johnny Monker is that is the thing that I'm, when I'm talking about '90s football, that love to tackle, good passer. I think an underrated player actually, but um, like stories of Johnny Monker training completely ragged off, like, yeah. like just standing <laughs> in the middle of a pitch with just football boots on. Yeah, you know what I mean like, football boots though. Come <laughs> on, man up. <laughs> <laughs> he stuck his head in a bucket of white paint that marked the pitch, and he reckoned he was getting a bit high off the fumes. Yeah. Like, and he did all sorts of you, with that boots naked have I said this before on the podcast when I was at uni there was a rugby team which I had nothing to do with but they had you know the initiation ceremony yeah, yeah. You, they had one where you got dropped like five miles from the pub or whatever down a motorway and you could either choose your pants or your trainers that's oh, the well, only thing you were wearing what would you have chosen back. what would you have chosen you've got to go pants, pants haven't you pants would all you? day long yeah but then you can't run yeah, but you're just are you going to walk around yeah. like this? I'd go yeah. pants, I think. <laughs> well, yeah. Johnny Monker went the other opposite. <laughs> of I, and also, I think Johnny Monker wasn't being initiated every day for six years. <laughs> <laughs> he almost got in the England team, didn't he? Yeah. Allegedly, yeah. yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, Allegedly. I'm not going to get sued. Terry Venables is going to sue me. He claims that Glenn Hoddle was looking at him in 98 for the World Cup squad. Yeah, I can't see that. But he thinks it was beef because if he Gazza was too much of a problem. Sure. <laughs> well, him and Gazza were really close mates, weren't they? Yeah, from, yeah. He was from, kind of yeah. his minder for a bit. Yeah. And I Did think they played together. Tottenham, Spurs, yeah. Oh, yeah, Spurs. Right. Uh, the, the stories, isn't there, of him like just trying to weasel his way onto the pitch to get his. Because he was on a pay per play yeah, contract at one point. He had a really high. I think he might have had some injury problems and he yeah. had a really high appearance bonus. And he was on the bench a lot, so he yeah. would like run down the touchline and even like run around the corner flag onto the pitch, like encroach. And he had a it, weird what, to and, Let's try and like, get the crowd going in his name. I, wrote, I thought you meant like that counts. I, <laughs> I heard a story that he, uh, yeah, he was on the bench begging to go on. And then uh, in the end, you know, we were sort of what, two, two and a half, three and a half, and then he got put on and he got booked, so he got fined more than his wages. <laughs> but I loved, you know, Johnny Monks, the best way I could describe him was when I was going to West Ham Alton Park. You know, when you go to a pub and you're really hoping that one mate's going to be there. Johnny Monker, I'd always just hope he was on the pitch. I'd always hope yeah. that even as a sub, he just he just felt like, you know, I hope Johnny Monks gets 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, even if you'd lose, just to see Johnny Monker out there. I fucking love Johnny Monker. And who are you partnering him with? Oh, man, this is a tough one again. This is why I'm like characters against really great players. Um, so Ian Bishop, I loved. I really liked watching Bish. I don't know, it's a tough Ian one. Ian Bishop, my main memory of is that he was one of the few players with long hair back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And now would have a sleeve. Was was Ian Bishop good? Yeah, he, he was yeah, a really he was good kind of, I don't know who I'm going to pick. Mercurial, yeah. Yeah. kind of, good. Bit, bit, bit of skill. Not obviously loads, it was no. Hand, but... No, no, but it could pass at a ball. Yeah. Sort yeah. of, yeah, dependable for a long time. And also sort of like that Dagenham and Motor shirt, he sort of, he wore it well. And, you know, he had long, yeah, long hair a bit about him. You know, I'm going to go Steve Lomas. Oh, lovely. Um, I played with Steve Lomas not so long ago. He was actually, he was so hungover. I fucking <laughs> loved it about him. I thought he's turned up to a game, stinking of booze, and actually could still put it about a bit. But um, yeah, I love Steve Lomas. And he was a great part of that side, actually. He was a really good part of yeah. Harry's team. He was a tough tackler. I always thought Steve Lomas was a complete psychopath. And then yeah. having got to know him, he's a really nice man. Yeah, he's quite a mild man. Yeah, quite a mild man. You yeah, yeah. wouldn't have expected it. My so, main memory of Steve Lomas is I think he was the Man City player. Do you remember when Man City were 
Were they going down? Do they go down? Yeah. And they'd been told the wrong score. They'd been oh, told. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. sure it was Steve Lomas. That it was, was the guy running the ball into the corner. It was him, and yeah, it was. It was he'd left us by then, right? Yeah. And it was well, that was the Sean Goatee years, isn't it? For them. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough tackle in midfield, and it'll make sense when I talk about the wingers, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you got strength from the centre. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I loved it. I mean, Stevie Lomesh was, yeah, he just... And did those two play together? I probably would have. Probably, probably, I think Moncur would have probably been displaced by Stevie Lomesh. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to see him out there, actually, together. <laughs> see I was, Go on, get Steve off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, who are your wingers? Your light wingers, then? I mean, there's for, for me, along with Rio, I'd, I'd have to put Joey Cole, man, that kid. Yeah, again, he was just... And you know what? Out of a, you know, skill aside, when we went down that year, he was the only one not to feel like he'd already got a club. That he yeah. Was gonna, yeah, he went to Chelsea, but... First one to leave, I think. Yeah, right? but, he, he, yeah but, he didn't, but he didn't feel like, you know, yeah. Defoe had in a transfer request, Carrick sort of a... Carrick couldn't really put in a shift. And Joey Cole, even to the last, was on, yeah. on the pitch trying. Do you know what I mean? Cole comes to meet it and scores! Joe Cole's first ever goal for West Ham has turned defeat surely into victory and a place in the Worthington Cup quarterfinals. What a turnaround here at St Andrews. Wasn't there like a thing where I'm sure I saw where he, because he was such a heralded youth player. Yeah. You had a thing where he signed his professional contract like on the pitch yeah, at half time. Yeah. I was at that uh, game. Fergie yeah, I think wanted country at home. I think Fergie wanted him. Um, There's so much pressure everyone, yeah. on a new player that's never played. But he yeah. never felt like I never felt for West Ham at least that he he ever felt like he was under that sort of pressure. I don't know. Like, I, Do you feel like he didn't fulfill his potential? Him. Oh well, I mean, he's kind but of pe- won everything, didn't but he? But people say that about him, and and mm. he, yeah, he won everything. Admittedly, not with West Ham, but. If you look, if you look, that wasn't at, his potential no, to win everything with West Ham. No, to win anything with West Ham, <laughs> not to have gone got... down with West Ham would have been fulfilling his potential. But, um, <laughs> but I had a really embarrassing thing. So I, when we were filming King Gary, we filmed it in Essex, and uh, I was in his cafe one morning. I go for this really big shit, and uh, it fucking stank. And uh, I come out of the toilet, and it's the toilet leads straight into the calf. So I'm like, sort of like slipping out, thinking I hope no one's standing there. And I come walking out, and Joe Cole's standing there, <laughs> and uh, it fucking pen and inked. And I'm like, but I'd never met Joe before. And I went, oh my god, Joe! And and I have a problem where I'm six foot seven. Obviously, I know you really well, Josh. And, but I'm a fucking lump, and I forget that. You know, as a West Ham fan who's really excited to see him, I come across like a fucking nutter if you don't know what I am. <laughs> and there's a waff of fucking shit coming out behind me. And he looked absolutely, looked up at me, absolutely terrified. I went, oh, my God, Joe. Uh, you, know, how, you know, and all that. You live round here? And I started chatting with him and he's going, oh, yeah. And he sort of made a real loose conversation, which I think was just sort of like hoping that the fucking smell had just got keep him away from it. Um, and then he went in the toilet and uh, after me and uh, I sort of lurked about a bit just to sort of like get his eye when he came out and he came out and it's disgusted. And, and, <laughs> See you, Joe. And he was like... <laughs> and then I did a really muggy thing of fucking DMing him on Instagram, slid into his DMs going, love it to meet you today, mate. <laughs> did he reply? No, he saw it and didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> jinxed myself. Oh my now you know that, that thing, and I loved watching Joe play. I thought he was an amazing player. He was, you know, it, it's a weird thing because, again, he's similar age to myself, and it's a weird thing to adore a, another man who's yeah. the same age as you. Like, it's fine if it's Alvin Martin or it's Tim Baker <laughs> because it's a ten-year gap. But like now, it's like you go. Actually, it's weird that I look at Declan, <laughs> I look up to Declan Rice and he's half my age. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah. So you got him, is he left or right? I think I always liked him coming off the left, actually. If he could, yeah. I mean, and the next one would be Hugo Porfirio. <laughs> really? I don't know anything about Hugo Porfirio. So I mean, he, neither do I, really. I don't know do how much remember you know, him. I, I remember him, but all I know is that six months he had with us, or whatever was it was, and then so, he just disappeared off the face of the so earth. So, for me, what I loved about Hugo Porfirio is like, we know the end of the player story. We know what happened there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was a sad ending. Whereas Porfirio, like you say, had these six months, and he was genuinely like fucking incredible. So like, who is it? He was a Portuguese kid. We got him on loan from like Benfica, I think yeah. it was. And it, he was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He, was he was genuinely unbelievable. Like, I remember, I think his debut, was, I might be wrong here, I think it was Knott's Forest, and he sh- just ripped them to shreds. And he, he was two footed. You've got to remember at this time, you know, we're getting Ilya Dimitrescu, we're getting all these foreign players, none who work out really. And all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden, this kid that no one even had really heard about comes yeah. in. And like, you're just like, every time he got the ball, you're like, you're, the whole Upton Park would just be on the sort of their tips. He's just incredible. And then he just left. And he basically, the story is that at the end of the season, Harry was phoning him. Um, the the board were phoning him, trying to sign him. He didn't answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Clever, yeah, clever. Yeah. So you'd signed him on loan. Yeah, yeah. six I, months. And, and so then what off. happened yeah. to him? Was he amazing? I no, think no, he, no. he ended up having a spell at Nottingham Forest later in his career. Yeah. Looked, by then, the pictures of him in Nottingham Forest, so he's really overweight. And yeah. I think I think he went to he went to someone like Real Sociedad. I think in in Sp- he went to a Spanish club. I think, and I think he just had that thing where. I think he obviously liked to drink and he liked to, you know, liked a bit yeah. of food. And... <laughs> I kind yeah. of love that though. It's like a sort of holiday romance yeah. that he had. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, like, you never got to see him grow old and no. fat. Like you've got this magic little moment with him. And, and also, he, he never really betrayed us. Yeah. You know, yeah. he never sort of. Oh, apart from not picking up the phone. <laughs> yeah, but that's allegedly. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, I think his phone was broken. <laughs> <laughs> or he just, he just <laughs> didn't pick up from withheld numbers. <laughs> I would say as well, like at West Ham at that time, we would play football by just lumping it up, yeah. and like, and you'd, you'd get a chance and you'd score a goal, or passing it through players, or just get into the wing and crossing it in. Yeah. Porfirio would pick the ball up and beat players like through the middle. Yeah, I'd, we'd never seen that before. It, it, never seen as that. mental as it sounds. It was probably the, as close as we'll ever get to seeing sort of a Lionel Messi type player. <laughs> yeah. He we would get the was ball. Was he the original finished. Portuguese Ronaldo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, he's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> the other one would be Tra- uh, Trevor Sinclair. Yeah, I loved, I loved Tri- Tricky yeah. Trevor. I think he was amazing. He was and, a great player, Trevor Sinclair. Oh, he's incredible. The excitement of signing him. Because, again, like you can talk about sort of signing these foreign players in the 90s you didn't know much about, but you knew who Trevor Sinclair was. And he, he was so iconic. You know, he could beat a man, he could score a great car. And obviously, you know... Was there he, a point when it... Why did he go... Because when he was at QPR, it looked like he was surely going to join a big club, Trevor Sinclair. He did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the great thing about Harry Rinder, he can create a renaissance for a player, yeah. like he did with Di Canio. Like, Trevor Sinclair was kind of like... He was getting a bit bored at... QPR, yeah. his career was kind of going nowhere and yeah. went to West Ham. Was he at West Ham when he did the World Cup in yeah, 2002? Yeah, 2002. And, and he was, I mean, he was the guy who supplied that, the ball to De Canio. Bent wide nicely by Mark Vivian Foet. Sinclair's cross over Cunningham. De Canio! Oh, I do not believe that! Uh, that is sensational! Even by his standards. Oh, I take a bow, son. Take a bow. You are not going to see a better goal than this. Great ball from Foy. Even better ball from Sinclair. But that is just sensational. Outside of the right foot. He's off the ground with both feet when he makes contact. Look at him. Up he goes. 
Oh, that is quite sensational. Have I ever told you a story when I got stuck in a turnstile, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit bigger back then. We were playing let's at Wimbledon away and uh <laughs> I went for the turnstiles and I had a puffer jacket. I remember shot jackets. They were all of age at the time, but I was probably about twenty six stars, twenty five, twenty six, and I got stuck in the turnstiles. <laughs> and people were going, Come on, mate, see you kick off. <laughs> A load of West Ham fans who aren't the most patient people or the most understanding. Can't you fat cunt? <laughs> oh, mate. Like, I'm trying, but I couldn't get in. I couldn't get out. And then someone's going, they're going to delay kickoff. And I was like, I just had visions of like, some Saturday going up, West Ham versus Wimbledon, a late kickoff due to a fat prick. <laughs> How did you get out? That is fucking, they just pushed me through. <laughs> Go and get a pie in your mug. <laughs> and for years after, because, you know, it's a relatively small group of people who go away. So, uh, yeah. Some people know me more from that than any of my TV work. <laughs> that was what the BAFTA was Tom, da- yeah, Tom Davis. <laughs> who do you mean, Tom Davis? Oh, you know, he, he had murder a successful kick. Oh, the fat prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that um, Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a, a Trevor Sinclair. Stuff. So, oh, it's Trevor Sinclair. Oh, uh, yeah, or Hugo Porfirio. I'm going to go Porfirio. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think the joy that he brought me. Now, yeah. strikers. This, this is, is this, interesting. This, yes, I wonder what you're going to go for. This, this is so difficult. Shall I narrow it down? Because obviously, I won't narrow it down for you, but these are the ones that would stand out for me as a non-West Ham fan. Di Canio, obviously. Yeah, so, so that's easy. I got in real shit, actually, when I first did Soccer AM and we talked about the best goals that ever scored, and I didn't use Di Canio's. I, I, think oh, I, I thought said... you were going to say that you came out in support of his views. No. <laughs> Well, obviously. But... Yeah. Hate his football, love actually, his politics. Le- I think that would have been less surprising than actually saying that that wasn't my favourite West Ham goal of all time. Um, but uh, I said about Clive Allen's goal, do you remember, when we went up um, against Cambridge, and, and uh, I got loads of shit at West Ham that weekend. They're like, how could you not say, how would you say not to Ganeo's goal? And I was like, it's an incredible goal, but it didn't actually mean anything. It, you know, like, yeah. it was amazing. It was a, an amazing strike. Was that and the they, volleyed one? Right? Yeah, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he scored a... He scored that goal, he scored a yeah. great goal against United. He scored an incredible goal. I love the one he scores against Manu where Bartes yeah. puts his hand yeah, up yeah, for, yeah. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. for offside. Yeah. I was at that game. It was Were fucking, you? I went genuinely on about a three day bender after that. <laughs> like, incredible. Like, that's when I used to go go. And uh, yeah, man, De Canio, again, like he embodied every little thing about West Ham. So he's got to be in the running. Did you get him because he pushed the referee? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and that is, do you know what? Also, that's. That was the genius of Harry Redknapp. Was he with you when he caught the ball rather than scoring? Yeah, he yeah. did. And yeah. allegedly, Stuart Pearce was fuming at him in yeah. the dressing room afterwards. Oh, really? That was against Everton, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everton away. So what, there'd been a, there's a guy down injured. The goalkeeper had been injured, taking a kick or something. It was collapsed in the area, couldn't get up. It's come out wide, crossed into the box. He's just outside the six-yard box with an empty net and a, like, a defender just out of, uh, outside of his area. And uh, he, he catches the ball. It's Canute. Oh, Gerard comes a long way and he had to be certain. And he's pulled the muscle in going for the ball. Oh dear, Gerard is down. Everton don't have a goalkeeper. And Di Canio, sportingly, almost unbelievably catches the ball there. What nerve does that take? How many players should have headed that goalwards? But Everton's goalkeeper overstretching himself in obvious agony. And the whole ground rises to what must be one of the moments of the season. It's incredible. Were you there? No, no, no it was I was in that game. Oh, right. It was good part. I'd right. love to have been at that game. Yeah. And also, you know that we all talk about now with this sort of sense of glory, but if you're a West Ham fan there at the dark time, you're like, what the fuck are you doing, mate? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, it's no. booked for deliberate handball. Yeah. 
<laughs> Three games missed. Um, I would, like, as I was saying, I would much rather he put that in the net than caught it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. The, Not looking that, back, though, because now it's an iconic moment. Yeah, yeah. and in, in, a, in a reel of like that and the goals against you know Wimbledon, Arsenal... Uh, and then United, that looks a hell of a thing. You know, it looks like an amazing... And also him shouting. It was it hit Lampard, wasn't it, for the penalty? Oh, the penalty, yeah. 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 For the West Ham versus what Bradford. Happens? And it's really salt. It, yeah, it, apparently kind of been getting fouled all game. Uh, eventually, the referee gives a penalty, and um, I think he'd missed one in the previous game. Frank Lampard was going to take it, and the two of them end up having a stand-up row, shouting match row, in the middle of the pitch. The can just pulling the ball off Lampard. And he ends up taking it, the penalty. Was yeah. it 4 all? Like? 5 4 for oh, yeah. Tacania. Uh, Tacania. Tacania. Did he yeah. score? Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. But earlier in that game, he'd been fouled and the, in the area. Clear foul. The referee yeah. hadn't given a penalty. So he said to the re- Harry Redknapp, take me off. And Harry kept him on. <laughs> kept him and on. He take, me saying, off. take me yeah. off. Yeah. And he, he turned the game around. Tacania swept clear of Haller. And now inside the Norwegian. And past Lawrence. And still going. And then he had his legs taken. Or did he? from here oh De Canio ever the showman is saying take me off substitute me and it's play on with Saunders and he's hit the post whilst De Canio 80 yards away upfield is still remonstrating in a similar way to Morrissey does the things players say affect the work yeah I mean that's got it pays a little bit of a and it is so West Ham when you're, you know, your arguably pl- your greatest ever player turns out to be fucking <laughs> NF, fucking <laughs> a fascist. A fascist. Oh, it's so, so West Ham. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know what? The other thing about it is, so weirdly, he's not in my, my 11. And not for that reason either. I don't, you know, his fascist views are disgusting. But, you know, it, it, I have to have John Hartson in there. John Hartson. I love yeah. John Hartson. I love oh. Big John. He had an amazing season for yeah. us as well. And, and the, you know, and so, yeah, Big John was just like, that season, we, he, him and Kitson came in and they kept us up. You know that thing of like, because he'd been, he was like, you talk about Joe Cole and stuff, he was, when he was signed from Luton, he went to Arsenal, they were like, this guy's going to be incredible. And, yeah. and he came to us and he was, and also, I remember going with my dad to West Ham and uh, when he first signed and we were in, uh, I think we were the Queens, maybe, and there was a fucking geezer in there. And we just signed John Hartson, and you know you get those fucking idiots who think they're hilarious. They like no, and he, he turns to me and my dad, and he went, "I was like, oh, excited about John Hartson getting here," and he went, "Hartson, Fartson." <laughs> <laughs> and me and my dad looked at him, and I sort of like he looked like a he looked like a bit of a loon, so we sort of laughed a bit, and he went, "Hartson, Fartson," right? And I went, "Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah." And he went, because he's a fucking fart. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. And um, through that day, I saw this geezer go up to about 10 people who obviously were excited about the fact that Sir John Hartson. And, and like, there was no f- smile on his face and just going, Hartson, fartson. And me and my dad still say it. It's still one of our favourite moments of, of going to the football. But he was, uh, he was incredible that year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. and, and the second, top sco- second top goal scorer in the Premier League that year, yeah, yeah. For, behind Andy Cole, which, again, for West Ham, is unprecedented. And also, really, also probably almost one of the saddest love stories of football was, like, him and I were, like, their linkage play, both coming through. Arg Berkovic, the two of them were just amazing that season, up until he booted, <laughs> booted him in the head. Yeah, um, booted Arl Berkovic yeah. in the head. What was, but, the, was that it for no, them? No, no, they, 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 they were they did cool. Like a, they kind of shook hands didn't and they made up. Didn't they Celtic at Wimbledon together? Yeah, they, yeah, they went on. But they, they both left shortly after yeah, that. Yeah, but, they, but th- th- that season, they were inc- genuinely incredible. They, like, yeah. you know, R. Berkovich, I mean, to be fair, actually, 
you know, he's another one who he could have snuck into that team. He was fucking mustard, man. He was yeah. a joy. So when him and Kitson, I was I was really thinking about it being him and Kitson. Did they were they were signed together when signed you like yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever? Yeah. So we signed Kitson for Newcastle, right? And yeah. he had he was a, never he, a big deal, was he? he no, he was. He got from yeah. Derby to Newcastle, and he I think you had Keegan had signed him, and right. Keegan, he was sort of he sort of coming in that time when Andy Cole and people had. Sort of like he was talked about. Potentially, this guy could be quite amazing. And, yeah. And he were, they were amazing straight away. I yeah. think it was our first game. And that game against Tottenham, the you know four three, wasn't it? And it was. Yeah. But it's funny when you chat to people about that team. Like people say, Paul Kitson was our was the best player. But yeah. I never really. I always was all about John Hartson. Yeah. They say he's tremendously skillful. Yeah. He's like an amazing finisher of the ball. Like, I don't have. Do you know what I say? Kitson shits. <laughs> I wish you'd been there with that guy. I never even thought about that. God, imagine if you imagine how well you'd have gone on with that ICF member. If shits, if we'd just been standing, me and my dad standing with that guy, arts and farts, and and Josh had just snuck up and gone kitchen shits. Josh, Josh joins up the fucking ICF. Anyway, sorry. So people um, say Kitson was better. Yeah, they say he was the best player, but I was yeah. all about Hartson. And also, it was that sort of really big man, little man, double act, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and but like you say, this is the hard, the hardest one of all because if you're going to pick your best one, it's easy because you just go to Canio and Hartson potentially, and in the nineties. But if you're going to talk about the sort of characters, you go Radachoyo oh, was incredible. Oh, Radachoyo, Boogers, Boogers, Dowie. So Bo- the Boogers thing for me is like that is a sort of get it but also it's such a it's such a story that when you talk to people in, in the club how true even is it that the, the caravan thing and it's sort of like was yeah. that just press and I, I people think, that yeah. don't know he was rumoured to he, uh, he was signed off the back of a yeah. videotape for yeah. one million pounds huge deal about made yeah. about him he, he could be the new Burkham type thing came off the bench on his debut sived Gary Neville in half sent off played yeah. like a couple more games and then allegedly disappeared to the caravan he never scored. Never scored. So he he would be in the running as a mad guy that we signed. Um, you'd have to throw, throw in Radachoya, who was caught shopping in Havertz uh, the day before Stockport we played. Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since yeah. we ended up going out through an own what, goal he by said you. He was going to be injured. Yeah, no, he said, um, "I'm not playing. Don't come to Stockport away. I'm yeah. going Harvey Nicks. He would Harvey Nicks. Yeah, so he would Harvey <laughs> Nicks instead. Um, and well, you could do that any time. Yeah, but he just didn't want to go to Stockport. Um, <laughs> Paulo Futre. It's two hours on the train. Yeah. It's so easy. Not, not in the nineties. It was. <laughs> pa- yeah, Paulo Futre signed. Yeah. Played well for two games, and then decided. Yeah. Oh, sod this, but wanted the number ten. Paulo <laughs> Futre number ten. Yeah. So the, the 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 story is that to get the number ten shirt off Johnny Moncur, he gave him his villa in Portugal. To you. have you heard this? Yeah. He gave yeah. his villa in Portugal to use on holidays. And then he left. So Johnny Munker was like, you've got to keep him on. <laughs> I've got this deal where I can use his villa whenever I want. But if he goes elsewhere, I don't know how that stands. Um, um, I've got a few honourable mentions I might rattle through. Rob Jones signed in from Liverpool. Famous yeah. Rob Jones. Uh, played 45 minutes for us in the Intertoto Cup. Got injured. The right back. Yeah, yeah, retired at 27. <laughs> Gary Charles played eight games in three yeah. seasons for us. We signed Simon Webster from Charlton. He played 124 games with Charlton between 1990 and 93. Signed West Ham. Julian Dix broke his leg first training session. Played five games over the next three years before retiring. <laughs> Richard Hall signed in for yeah. £1.4 pound from Southampton. Be like a huge signing for us. I think uh, Richard Hall had played 128 games for Saints over the previous five years. 11 games for England under 21. He played seven games for us between the next Jeez. three years after signing. <laughs> It's Florian Rodachoya, Manu Yomi of course, played in the. My, mine would be my final player would be uh, I think Dan, Danny. 
Danny, the Portuguese heartthrob. Yeah. I think, yeah, because he, he he was the first time that you like that fucking media storm of like signing him. Just because he was attractive. He was attractive, yeah. And then his debut, he scores against Tottenham, and and you know people are talking. I mean, it was almost like he was the guy that you thought was he was Ronaldo before Ronaldo in a sense yeah. of like the, the and you know I remember like it was a, probably the first time I remember people having a name on the back of a shirt and people nearly every cheap sort of, owned like, four letters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off the You're market. Not getting <laughs> <laughs> do you know what he does was now? Was he on loan? Do you know? He, I've heard he hosts the Strictly, Portuguese Strictly. Strictly Come Dancing. No. Yeah, he was on loan, yeah. He's played nine games. Yeah, yeah. And then we went, they went on a uh, like a mid-season break to Spain, and then I think he ended up having like a fivesome and uh, <laughs> came down the next morning and didn't want to go to training, and yeah, that was it. But I need one more honourable mention. Fivesome? Men- yeah, fivesome. <laughs> one more honourable mention would be to uh, Samassi Abu. Oh, who's Samassi? I've never even heard. It's the first yeah, they, they, like to sing, rather than sing his name, the fans would chuck, would just go boo, boo, and he thought they were booing him at first. Yeah, the and, story. yeah, he was uh, he was one of those players. I really loved watching. What was him. he? It's yeah. just a striker, striker. Center forward, yeah. yeah. But what? we had so many. Yeah, one chop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. And what and was Samassi Abu good? He was good. He scored it like he was a bit of a. I don't know. Like a cult hero, I'd say he wasn't amazing, but he had a lot. Of, clearly, had a lot of personality. Yeah. Although he had the worst miss I've ever seen yeah. in a footballer yeah, miss. Yeah. I think it was Man United. He misses a half volley on the goal line. Yeah. He manages to hit it over. Yeah. yeah. If you put Samasi Boo in your YouTube, you'll yeah, see it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I can't imagine yeah. there's loads. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Michael stays in his line of boo. How on earth did he miss that? Even he doesn't know. So allegedly, after his uh, professional career finished at West Ham, he became a cab driver in the local really? area. Yeah, yeah, and apparently still is now. Really? Is, yeah, oh my yeah. god, that would be my dream oh to get in with him <laughs> and then get caught Samassi. behind Tim Breakers Building Company in traffic. <laughs> Do you know, actually, talking about this, just as a '90s reference, actually, is has anyone else heard this the Tony Yaboa thing? No, the about, hotel. No, 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 the Yorkshire pudding thing. No. So I'm not sure how true this is, right? This is my favourite story of uh, 90s football. So I heard that when Tony Oboa came to Leeds and he was in part of that amazing, you know, he was a part of a really good, strong side and he scores these amazing goals, that it was still, it was probably one of the last teams of boozers, you know, a lot of these guys had sort of, towards the end of their careers and whatever. And uh, they used to go to the pub after training every day and whatever, and Tony Oboa didn't drink. So, um he basically sort of matched them as they'd have pints, he'd have Yorkshire pudding. Like, you know, like a full dinner and a Yorkshire pudding. Like beef, meat, gravy. And uh, he, he put on so much weight through doing this. That's why they had to chop him through the team. And like, I'm not sure how true that is. I just a Sunday lunch for every pint. <laughs> yeah, I just love the idea. I mean, whoever came up with that story is genuinely a genius. Yeah. But if it's true, it's just such a lovely thing of Gary McAllister being like, um, you have another uh, Yorkshire pudding? <laughs> Tony? I just have half. Yeah. <laughs> Driving later. <laughs> It's a wonderful story. Oh, wow, that's amazing. amazing. And who are you going for for manager? Oh, there's only one, isn't there? It's got to be Harry. Yeah. Yeah, all day long. He's yeah. literally, uh, Harry Redknapp, I think, through through everything when he was at the club, brought probably my happiest memories of, of being a football fan. I generally like, you know, through, through that. And what's it like getting to know a, a hero like that? You know what? And uh, I hope Tim Breaker's going to be the same, but Harry Redknapp is. <laughs> <laughs> is, I mean, you've you've met Harry, right? He's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's everything you hope that he's going to be. He's got he's an yeah. incredible. You know, he tells a story, and you know, you're sort of in awe of the guy. And uh, I love West Ham. 
maybe as much as I love my wife. <laughs> I, I do though. I, you know, I, I love the club and I love everything. And, and you talk about going there now. Upton Park was everything to me. Yeah, you know, like you know, not to get too emotional, but my grandmother died just before we moved, and uh, all those memories of Upton Park. It was everything. To my family. Yeah. You know, it was we go as a you know, so to so to move from that stadium. It's only really now that I'm going. All right, fair enough. That that's gone now. And it is you know, for, uh, there'd be no other club that I'd want to support. It's yeah, amazing. I've got a deep that at the end. A lovely end. <laughs> lovely end. <laughs> Tom it. Davis. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. That was Tom Davis. What a wonderful human being. Love that. Brilliant. Always so entertaining to listen to. Um, particularly if you're Chris Scarlett, hang on his every word. <laughs> like Sam Allardyce <laughs> drinking a, a bottle of wine with Sir Alex. <laughs> sycophant. If pure I was to do the sycophant. top three sycophancy, number three is you and Tom, Tom Davis. Davis. Number two is um, Sir Alex <laughs> with uh, Big Sam. And number one is obviously Steve Barnes and Sir <laughs> <laughs> Uh So uh, that was brilliant. Yeah. I genuinely... The South, West Ham are one of those self-mythologising clubs, I'm sure you're aware of that, <laughs> yes. that think that their history is more interesting. Mate, we than won the World else. Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Bobby Moore uh, also won the league in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> According to this signed VHS we have. <laughs> um, but genuinely a very interesting... I think West Ham in the 90s, so much more interesting than West Ham in the last 20 years. Yeah, it's that roller coaster, isn't it? It's that amateurishness. Is that we? Oh, that's our speciality, and there's plenty of yeah, plenty of that at West Ham in the 90s. Talking of amateurishness, here is the quiz. Yep, same as always. End of the episode quiz. Chris and Josh face off against each other to decide which song plays out at the end of the show. And it's starting 11, the usual game. In tribute to our guest today, Tom Davies. Oh, Michael, is this going to be a home game for me? This is a home game oh. for Scott, which normally oh. he needs at this stage in the yeah. season. But actually, he's doing he's doing pretty well. Yeah. So the matching question is West Ham's last game of the 90s, December 28th, 1999, versus Derby County. See, I've kind of moved I mean, out of I my childhood at this here. point. And um, this is when a, you, you had you, a life. Yeah, you start so getting you a life, and I'm not, yeah, so not as into it as it would have been five years earlier. Yeah. But. Okay, so it's currently 2 1 to Chris. Oh, God. Yes. I've just realised, by the way, and we're recording after Alan Kovacic's left, his, his half drunk glass of water's there. If I drink that, I'm essentially kissing Alan Kovacic. <laughs> Leave that there because I will extract the DNA from it. <laughs> well, I, interesting you say that. I still have at home from our live show in Manchester with David May. He drank, we forced him to drink a cup of Ribena as part of the show. If you're there, you'll understand why. We're not going to explain why. Yeah. Uh, but it's I difficult ha- holding him down with those three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Big lump, though. Yeah. Uh, I still have the unwashed, uh, oh, quickly Kevin Hitler's mug that's got a Ribena stain oh. from uh, David oh, May. Oh, Lips wow. of David May. Yeah. Lips of May. Right. The darling lips of May. The darling lips of May. Josh. Yes. You go first. What is it? West Ham v. Who? West Ham versus Derby. Derby. Feels like a lifetime ago. Okay, West Ham v. Derby. Is that at Upton Park? Why does that matter? Because yeah. <laughs> there's an infamous game around this time. Uh, it, yes, it was at Upton Park. Okay. What was the score? Uh, I believe it was one all. I might struggle here. You might struggle. <laughs> I can't even think of one. Okay. Um, West Ham v. Derby, 1999. Everyone is a question mark in my mind. So, I'm going to go with... Should I go with a Derby one? Did they have any players I've heard of? Yeah, you would have heard quite a few of them, I think. Okay. Mart Poom. 
I think you're right. Correct. Oh, my word. That'll do. Um, I need Chris to get me some West Ham ones to get my eye in as to what kind of West Ham yeah. team it is. Well, okay, I'm going to play a little mind game now. Paolo Wanchop. Correct. I don't, I don't actually yeah. know who he was playing for in that game. <laughs> he was playing for West Ham. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, right. Well, that's changed my... Uh, I don't think this is right. Steve Lomas? Yeah, you would think he would have been there. Incorrect. Oh. Injured, frequently injured. Oh, to lose on someone who's the right level but injured is... Um, Rio Ferdinand. No. Correct. Oh, what? Oh, right. Is that, that, is that lot still playing for West Ham at this point? Some of them might He be. was quite early, wasn't he? Yeah. I don't know. Um, you can go... I think you're safe going big names here. Am I? Yeah. Okay. Michael Carrick? Oh, that's probably a bit... Uh, Incorrect. Oh, I've got your Frank Lampard probably would be. Frank Lampard was uh, still there. So the Joe West Cole, Ham team. Can I say Ludwig McCloskey? Uh, Shaka Hislop. Oh. Javier Margas, Steve Potts, Scott Minto, Mark Vivian Foe, Trevor Sinclair, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, Paolo Di Canio. Oh, I almost went Joe Cole. Yeah. Derby, obviously a bit trickier. You're not getting any. Stefano Aranio. Dean Sturridge. Uh, Dean that? Sturridge was there, yes. Defence was Spencer Pryor, Horatio Carbonari, Jacob Lawson or Lawson, Steve Elliott, Daryl Powell, Craig Burley, Lars Bohin and Seth Johnson, Marvin Robinson. No, I mean, I just didn't have a hope. So that makes three it 3-1 to score. What song would you like to play at the end of the show? There can only be one song. The, the song I've campaigned for West Ham to play before Bubbles. Please can we have Chim Chim Cheree from the Mary Poppins film. Oh my God. <laughs> Robbie Slater, see you later. Jim Jiminy, Jim Jiminy, Jim Jim Cheree. A sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. Jim Jiminy, Jim Jiminy, Jim Jim Cheroo. Good luck will rub off when I shake hands with you. Or blow me a kiss. And that's lucky too. Now as the ladder of life has been strung, you might think a sweep's on the bottom most rung, though I spends me time in the ashes and smoke in this all wide world. There's no- this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.